Welcome to the Postwork Podcast recorded at Comac Studios Bunker somewhere hidden in Berlin. I'm Pablo De Negri, your host, and today's guest is German visual artist Yvonne Thine. Yvonne, thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yvonne, we met a couple of months ago. Um, Art Claims Impulse is the gallery. You have uh, you showed this part of this work, Techno Bodies, that from which we are seeing something right now in the screens. And we will talk about this work later. But first, I wanted to know where did it start for you, um, let's say, this search through art and body as an object, so to say? Well, I think um, it started quite early. So I, uh, I don't come really from art, so I didn't study art, but uh, photography and video. And um, I think I was always interested in the body and uh, as a subject and uh, that never changed uh, so I started to work uh, with portraits in the beginning right but it became more abstract you start film arts also no yeah so it was a combination film and photography okay. so but I, I'm not really a professional filmmaker so I'm right. coming more from the professional part of the of photography and uh, But uh, at the end, I, it came up that I, I hmm. was more interested in art yeah. instead of becoming a professional photographer. I understand. And I, I saw some of your works and installations with photography, uh, older ones also working with the body as an object. And they have a lot of re resemblance with uh, your new works with AI. We will talk about that uh, later. So that's why I was intrigued to know in which moment in your life uh, you had this first notion of using technology, uh, either mechanical or digital, um, to explore this uh, object of study that is the body for your work. Well, I think it started, you know, I'm like this generation. I grew up with uh, analog and uh, digital at the same time or like after each other, but I still know the analog time because I studied uh, to work with film. And um, I think I'm. It, it was like the end of 2000s or like 2006, I started to work really with Photoshop as a yeah. part of my practice, mm -hmm. uh, but to kind of manipulate photo photography hmm. uh, to um, show how this medium is changing and uh, the way I did that is w was over body images because um, <clears throat> for uh, the influence of uh, these body images in the visual um, uh, language uh, of, you know, advertisement pictures hmm. and all this kind of social media now, hmm. it's really having a lot of or like a deep impact hmm. to to people. Hmm. They kind of identify with these kind of images. So I started to request this kind of advertisement pictures. So this was like a shift in my uh, practice or like in my career because hmm. before I was kind of taking these pictures as well. But at a certain point, I more requested why we should trust these kind of images or why we would, uh, um, yeah take them as a role model mm -hmm. for for uh, for ourselves so uh, but your studies in photography were art oriented uh, yeah i was really art? open mm. in this in this uh, study was really um, 
uh, everything. I I was also uh, trained uh, to do like commercial pictures, but mm. I uh, mostly studied in in the artistic, so like free projects. Yeah. So I was more interested in that. But it was some process in uh, in uh, during my studying. I I found out that I was really more interested in requesting uh, images instead mm. of producing them. So. And where did you discover discovered some experimental practices or not so traditional practices, uh, practices, uh, not so technical or not so um, yeah industry oriented, so to say? So I think it was a just a, the result of my um, yeah conceptual work. Hmm. Uh, with the body or in photography, I found hmm. out that uh, I needed these digital tools uh, to to um, um, make these questions with my work. Hmm. So this was kind of a, a shift also in the how I perceived the medium before and then after, because before I was using photography really in a classical way, and then right. after that, I started really to play with it. It was almost like uh, like a painter would paint something, but hmm. I did it with Photoshop. So this was the... Were you influenced by uh, uh, theory? Were you reading about this? Or were you later on so um, interested in this as a conceptual, philosophical uh, matter? Yeah, the main impulse was always like some certain concept I wanted to talk about with my images, uh, but I was also um, reading uh, about the medium or like mm. um, the role of the medium or the change of, you know, the, the yeah, hmm. within the digital age or how this going to, you know, hmm. change, uh, these technologies change our world, but yeah. especially in my case, this image world. Yeah, I think for decades everyone that studied media or, or something related or communication, arts and so, they've been, we've been studying for decades so this huge shift in representation and what has to do with the, uh, uh, with the digital era and um, this new realm of images and the uh, lack of an origi original, let's say, images and so uh, already from very uh, rustic digital technologies compared from the ones today, right? And uh, I would, I'm interested to know how you, do you perceive this constant shift in representation that is related to new media, uh, uh, even though it's not new uh, anymore, uh, art and so for so many decades. How do you see that? You see this a continuum. Uh, you see that it's uh, uh, something that maybe is wrong interpreted, or how do you see this um, role of the new media as a tool for um, research, so to say, how, in which way representation is changing for society, so to say? Well, I think it's like, uh, on the one hand, you have the uh, media is changing for society, but most of the people don't even recognize. They just can kind of consume or adapt really quickly. And I think maybe hmm. it's the role of art or artists or people working like uh, more conscious with the medium or hmm. like these technologies to show how it's uh, changing our um, daily life or uh, uh, some social or political aspects hmm. or uh, uh, 
ethical aspect. So I think it's um, for me uh, this doing art is also like a tool to understand what is changing or what does it make with me, but also with society, this mm. kind of technology. So it's always like a kind of way to understand uh, right. that. Hmm. So I think it's for, yeah, for, uh, I can imagine that for most of the people, they don't really um, recognize it so much. Hmm. So like people just get their first smartphone, then they just start to use uh, social media or like they get hmm. involved. And it's really often really an unconscious process. Right. Probably. And that certainly had to do with, that certainly had to do with this shift because, uh, of course, I'm, I was born pre-internet era, <laughs> pre-cell phone, cathodic to TV, and so I'm still very much interested in all the video art movements that turns out, turn around uh, uh, analog video, you know, and this Asian technology. Um, but certainly there's a huge shift in the generations that were born with that as a given thing. Um, and maybe in the academia this was problematized even before it started to have a, a, a real effect in visible society but nowadays we can say all these um, a lot of these elements from uh, I don't know, uh, talking about uh, cyber or post-humanism or incorporating technology as an everyday um, tool and so we're already there in some aspect and that is a huge shift in that regard. Um, I don't know how you see that. Yeah, I think, I mean, the, probably it's um, the, the most of the artists, they are maybe also close to other um, fields like philosophy hmm. and uh, other uh, theories. They already hmm. thematize that since 20 they worry, years. They worry. So. We, we worry more. <laughs> So, well, I think it's just part of uh, being an artist mostly. Like, I, I wouldn't say in general, but if you work conceptual like I do, uh, so you always read uh, through different kind of fields about, hmm. you know, uh, to have some background of, or like you do some research. So I think you get along to, to books or uh, like um, texts about from media theorists, they hmm. writing already uh, since the mid-90s about the post-digital right. age. Exactly. So this is why, of course, we, we speak now about that. Now it's a topic in the public uh, or in the, in the bigger, larger community, but this is like not... And also maybe it's thing. not even a topic anymore because for the common person, it's just something that is cooperated to day-to-day -day yeah, life yeah, yeah. and they don't even think of problematizing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely uh, there. And uh, I, wor I wonder about the role of technology and digital technology specifically as um, some say co-creator or so another actor of this creation um, process that had to do with only with new, isn't only possible with new technology, so to say. And even though it's possible to tackle these subjects um, from identity, intimacy, what the body, the construction of the body as a, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, as a construction. <laughs> um, you, you also achieve in your artworks without using video, for example, in installations that only involve uh, uh, objects and materials. And um, uh, Did you uh, think about incorporating also 
so let's say electronic mediums or um, as a, uh, how how did you how do you think of it uh, incorporating that you thought uh, it was something you needed to do to tackle these uh, uh, thematics. You mean the co-creation with uh, these technologies? Say, did you think of it as a step forward So for this questioning or investigation, let's say, as you say, you use yeah. art for uh, also to realize what's there? Yeah, I think it was like maybe a logical step in my practice mm. to also start to use more these uh, digital technologies, like besides editing uh, photography, photography or video uh, hmm. material also maybe use uh, like image base but not really um, yeah in, a, in terms of a real realistic image technologies like video or, or photography so hmm. for me um, on the one hand it was interesting to go in the three-dimensional room to work with these installations and sculptures hmm. and because I think I realized quite late, but I realized that my work was already sculptural in a way. So and um, so that was one thing which was maybe it's a development of last an kind of expansion, so to say. Yes, because I think it's uh, also always about um, virtual and real world or rooms. So I think it's hmm. uh, if you want to speak about the real room, it's a three-dimensional room. We are hmm. like sitting here or like. Yeah. We are moving, so this is why uh, it was uh, logical in mm. a way that it was something developing through yeah. the years of my. So you started with photography, let's say, with static image. Yes, and yes. then with moving image. Yeah, and then you went out of the screen, so to say. You expanded the. I, I think I went into the three-dimensional room. Okay. Yes. <laughs> like from the two D to the three D, uh, in a way of yeah. yeah, doing installations and sculptures. Yeah. yeah. But it's very interesting when uh, um, uh, some artworks still stand without the need for uh, other technologies. For example, when it's just sculpture. I don't know if I wrote the name right, but there's this one. Uh, it's called I Feel Much Better Since I Stopped Eating Chocolate. I think it's just sculpture, or? It's an installation, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's only, there's no technology. This is only right. like, but of course it questions. And still says so much about the topics you are yeah, yeah. exploring. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's interesting when you achieve sculpture through your media practices and then sculpture can also stand on its own. I, I know very little about uh, sculpture uh, actually, um, but in recent years I've been, I've been having so this intuitive uh, um, affection for it, as, uh, I think, and in some ways this materiality, this haptic factor, this texture factor, um, it can be a very uh, uh, special tool, so to say. And um, it's very interesting. Now we have uh, in the background, in our screens, uh, these uh, transforming techno bodies. And um, it's a series where a sculpture is also part uh, of it. And um, this relationship between um, media and sculpture actually or image and sculpture is in the uh, is in the or is one of the original myths uh, of uh, 
transmedia art or multimedia art. Uh, I don't know if it comes from a Greek story or what, but uh, it's the the daughter of a, how do you call a man that makes sculptures? I don't remember. And uh, the last day, her uh, her boyfriend goes uh, away. She makes her silhouette, her his shadow silhouette in the in the wall. And then the next day, her father makes a sculpture mm -hmm. out of it. And in this case, in Technobodies, the silhouette is a moving silhouette that is uh, made actually by uh, artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And then you extract some morphology out of it into the three-dimensional world. And you expand into these sculptures with this latex, I don't know, material that... Uh, silicon. Ah, silicon, right. <laughs> um, induces also a lot of... Uh, um, triggers, I think, a lot of uh, things in the recognition system for what's aspects of the body and so. How was this process uh, for you, specifically with Technobodies? I saw only the second one, I think, um, but I'm interested to know the... So how was the correlation? So it's a it's a bigger project. Uh, I I uh, in total I developed like eight videos and uh, four now it's four sculptures, and uh, for me it was interesting how um, the technology or the artificial intelligence systems um, um, yeah shape our idea about the body. Uh, so I did a uh, use an AI to um, to train. It's a, it's an artificial intelligence. It's uh, only made to create new images, and um, hmm. I trained it with uh, images of bodies. In this case, it was uh, uh, stock photography, mm -hmm. and um, yeah, the AI uh, generated by itself by learning and uh, relearning. Uh, these um, body images and the, in the videos you can see the process of the training uh, so how hmm. the AI is um, developing uh, these images um, usually mostly you see only one image uh, maybe one result uh, and I was uh, in this case I wanted to show the process of the training mm -hmm. um, in the same time I wanted to also transfer it back to the real room because this is, I think, what we we explore every day. Like we are like uh, mm. doing a Zoom meeting. It's all digital. And yeah. it's all or like we we are using or the, the AI technology is already used with face, face recognition and all these kind of things. It's really unconscious maybe. Mm. And uh, so, but in the same time, we meet in the uh, in the real world uh, in a physical space. So I wanted to show this kind of shift hmm. uh, in between digital or like, um, yeah, virtual hmm. images and the real world. So this is why I uh, also made these sculptures. It's really a classical process of sculpturing. Yeah. So like working with clay and so it's yeah. no 3d printing or something like that and at the end you have like silicon sculptures which are inspired by the images the ai was uh, generating so yeah um and it's really mm. more about how uh, the visual language is changing through these kind of technologies uh in in context of the body so um mm -hmm. 
Uh, I think uh, it's um, something is developing really fast right now, AI in general, these mm. kind of systems. Like they are, I think, the most growing, uh, uh, it will be the most growing uh, industry in the future. Mm. And uh, I think it's this is why it's, um, it's too fast yeah. for us to get used to it and also mm. to reflect the, the pros and cons of these technologies. So this is why I, why I did that work. Mm. Yeah, um, I think it, this happened before already. We, it was too fast and we didn't have the time to choose if we wanted to go full digital with our society, for example, or not. We just did it and suddenly we were there. I feel that with some of these new um, hyper-realist technologies and so, we are just entering something that uh, maybe... I'm just paranoid, but it seems like uh, we are seeing just glimpses of something that um, uh, uh, could really um, change again <laughs> or revolutionize our um, interaction with uh, our identity, our relation, identity, our, our own body, to the others, politically, uh, physically, etc. Um, when we talk about uh, deep fakes, for example, something that is uh, almost exactly like the real thing, uh, it triggers this kind of uh, fear for the for the uh, future in the sense of uh, the, uh, that the machine could do a better representation of reality than reality uh, itself. Um, but your bodies are constantly changing and they never stay in a real human form, let's say, by traditional definition. This is something you uh, you look for intentionally. Well, this is the view the AI had, you know. <laughs> I like it that it was really, I, I, I found it really monstrous in a way that this technology uh, ha has its own, it has the data set I gave, but it has its own um, wow. idea about the body. So this is mm. what I was like, trying to find out yeah. so what is the idea. But the reason why was also because I was kind of worried about these technologies and how it's going to, you know, shape our future. And uh, But interesting, I think, about this context is also that we always forget that uh, we call it an artificial intelligence, but it has nothing to do with, like, the same way we think, like the cognitive way humans think is still lot yeah. more complicated and yeah. this is like technologies are really in a way one dimensional but because they usually can only do one thing one right. thing really good and, and for us it's like whoa it blows my mind you know yeah like, we i think we kind of trying to humanize the, yeah. the technology yeah uh, maybe because then it feels not so weird to use it right like, I yeah. think we ha still in the European culture still is really um, kind of has, has this distance to technologies. Hmm. But, for example, in Japan, they don't hmm. have these problems because they also think that every thing has a soul. Yeah. So this is they are like totally fine to have like human eat robots to yeah. care their uh, relatives. Yeah. I think here it wouldn't be possible because we still think this is like hmm. a technology and it it's can't It's an ideological, replace. cultural, yeah. language yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, thing, definitely. Yeah. 
So I think it's uh, interesting for me just to to explore um, how, in a visual way, how we're gonna, you know, how we are gonna be hmm. seen by by these technologies. Yeah. But hmm. still, what we f forget, it's always that the, the datas and the algorithm, they all come from humans. Mm -hmm. So the technology is not able hmm. to exist by itself. So there, right. th there has to be always someone to... Yeah. But still, they don't look as a human. It's, uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's like um, uh, um, uh, tra uh, the transforming uh, images from flesh, one can say, and hair, and um, but we never finish to recognize uh, something that will give us comfort as a human uh, shape. And it's very interesting because it's as if you would ask the robot, okay, robot, I give you these uh, human photos and you, you give me your definition for uh, human morphology. <laughs> and then the answer is this. And of course, for the robot, it means nothing. But for us, it totally makes us... Uh, question a lot of things, you know, because yeah. it hacks our brains in ways that we don't completely understand how they work. And suddenly we feel things, uh, emotions, and so triggered by this unidimensional, as you said, uh, system no? that cannot think the way we can think. Yeah. I think, uh, of course, the, uh, the reason why they, they look like that, it's because of the image material I gave the AI. If you just would give some images of faces, you would have a totally different result hmm. because then you have a mix of faces. But uh, in this case, um, you have, I, I, I gave um, really diverse body images, like also uh, like old bodies or like uh, colored bodies. So I think uh, right. it's really uh, depending on the data set or the material. Hmm. So, uh, I, but I think this is also because, you know, if you see the face recognition, for example, there's some ethical problems because they are trained with bo uh, images of white people. Right. So you have always this problem yeah. uh, that we are like, if you, if you look at a really diverse society, hmm. these technologies are maybe made by, I don't know, white Western societies, mm. and they all train these technologies just with their own image of bodies. Mm. And this is why um, it's there's problems. Yeah, it's a symptom. Yeah. It's a yeah. symptom of something that yeah. already um, it's uh, uh, political by its construction and through language. Um, let's say we're also part of it. We also um, have it very hard to think outside the... Uh, um, the culture, the language that we are um, part of, and uh, we also fit uh, strange with new uh, unknown information, especially regarding uh, human beings and the shape of the human beings or um, what's uh, acceptable uh, to show, and that's also a, so a moral aspect of ideology and language that we all reproduce even though we think about it or not right yeah and should this be shown should this be uh, seen and uh, this is also something very deep entangled in our uh, perception and language um, with territories like yeah the human body <laughs> political territories or dispute uh, for language and that's why so much happens and we can not even identify 
I think, all the things that happen in the process. Yeah. And what, where do you see this project uh, going in the sense of your uh, research? Well, um, I think it's going a bit more abstract right now. So I kind of finished this uh, body of work, but uh, I still do some sculptures. Um, but um, I have lots of material of these images because uh, I trained for several months. So I think mm. I have like the result is half a million images. Um, mm. So lots of images I you know, I could use to recreate. So what yeah. I did, or I started now to use the AI-generated images and train them again with an AI because... You can I evolve the, or um, develop the same training, the same original training. Well, it's not the same training because ah. the, the data set is different, so okay. there's different images, but I was interested in how the AI works with its own creation of images. So how right. it's going to work with already AI-based images. So um, hmm. because before hmm. I, the, the images I used were like photographs. And hmm. uh, this is like, of course, it's also uh, uh, made with the machine, but it's still hmm. kind of the our realistic idea of a body. Hmm. So uh, in this case, the images get more abstract when you use already these distorted images yeah. you maybe generated before, hmm. then you uh, get even more abstract with the body. Hmm. So I'm quite interested what kind of images you would need to hmm. still see a body in it. So right. how is well, our well, brain I mean, working? What, what would you do when it suddenly starts seeing like a real realistic body in I think this, it's not uh, going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, it would be interesting. Maybe the the, the for me it's interesting that so far it didn't happen. That it stayed so much in the limit of representation. Let's say. Yeah, I mean, I'm still you know um, able to kind of control what kind of images I want to hmm. generate it, and yeah. I've tried to force to get these kind of images. Hmm. So I, in, on purpose, I didn't use the ones that look realistic. Yeah. Because this was what not what was I was searching for. Hmm. So I was more searching for kind of a maybe, yeah, post-apocalyptic or maybe post-human <laughs> idea hmm. uh, of the body, um, yeah. And what is for, because that's also another subject that for decades in uh, media <coughs> schools or uh, they were, we were, uh, reading very beautiful texts, philosophy texts about how this will change representation and so, and um, nowadays you can really say, "Wow, this the less text about this subject and the fluid self or the fluid categories and stages of life." And now with the new technology, new representations is really some picture you could put to this forty-year-old text, you know. Um, how do you see nowadays? Uh, the subject of posthumanism, for example, what do you think it means, or this cyberhumanism? Uh, do you think it changes meaning? Do you think it's the same as um, science fiction portrayed it uh, a century ago, for example? No, I think I mean we sometimes you have this you know idea that uh, this could be you you explore things now and this could be also part of the terminator 
trilogy, mm. you know. Mm. But uh, maybe in ca- in 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 terms of uh, transhumanism or like just combining mm. technology with the body, and uh, yeah, I think it's um, maybe what we wouldn't expect it that it's happening like so fast. So what, what mm. I think it's. Uh, it's different to our idea about posthumanism. Uh, it's very different. That's why I ask. Yeah. It looks very different for what we were thinking yeah. about what posthumanism well, would look like. Because, I mean, for us, a machine like 30 years ago was a real machine, you know. Something hmm. was still like hmm. a machine. And now a machine could be like our cell phone. Hmm. It's already a machine in, in terms of technology hmm. and what we... You know, I think this is maybe what's different is like the technology is not so visible as we were thinking hmm. 30 years ago. Right. When we thought about posthumanism, you hmm. always saw this people with like robot arms or like or transhumanism. Right. Bionic man. Yeah. So. I mean, this stuff is existing now, but I think it's like the technology is so invisible um, in our lives because it became so small and... You know, you can use like chips in your arms or stuff like that. You don't need to see the technology anymore. Hmm. So I think this is maybe different to the really old idea of um, posthumanism hmm. that it's something more old fashioned. Yeah, maybe it's more f- uh, fluent. It's not so. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's or it's exactly melting, what I, melting yeah. more together than you would yeah. think 30 years ago, maybe. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant, that uh, now finally you can see how we would look like um, this shift in terms of the philosophy text we were reading 40 years ago, you know. It's like we, you always had the doubt of uh, these beautiful words, you know, would it will be translated in, because the world of images were was still limited, let's say, to what you can do with technology. And as it expands... It also expands the um, black, let's say, a process, uh, uncontrollable um, uh, part that the, this intelligent uh, um, bring to, brings to the table. We talked with uh, Robert Seidel uh, about it, uh, who also works with uh, artificial intelligence and so, and had a nice talk on the, this obscure part of uh, um, the technologies that are producing the images of our uh, world. And um, um, everyone choose how to stand, where to stand regarding to um, what's your uh, histo- relationship with this uh, obscure part or this part that, uh, the intelligent part, they call it, no? Mm-hmm. Um, um, I ask before, because you, you have a, a specific uh, um, strategy, let's say. You don't leave it at what the machine creates, what what you give it, but you also m- then uh, intervene uh, to expand that uh, from a perspective that could be only possible, let's say, uh, by you when you make the sculptures, for example. And so. mm-hmm. For me, I think it's more like a co-creation. I don't see AI okay. you as like a... The, you like the, the term co-creation because some yeah. are against... Well, I see it like that because I think it's not a tool, it's not a software, it's something really more. And I give away some control of, about my artwork. I like it also. Yeah. So, and I think it's that's what ma- makes it really interesting to work with 
for me, but maybe mm. some artists, they, they want to have the control for them. It's re really difficult. But for me, it was really interesting because I had to give up some control. So this is maybe similar to I uh, mm. have a um, collaboration with another artist. So, mm. so you have to kind of work together. Right. So this is what I did with AI. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think this is what I like about the technology that even you had some ideas or, mm. or images in your mind when you started the project, mm. you couldn't imagine to, to get these results. Right. So this is so mm. playful mm. in a way as for me as an artist, it's something really refreshing yeah. <laughs> also because of course it's always uh, something uh, like something, some good Thing in the process of, uh, of creating art is hmm. to have it really open what it's going to be at the end hmm. uh, what kind of work is going to develop so mm -hmm. I think this is yeah it's in my practice it's really important to have this openness so that I don't yeah. go with these ideas because I realized when hmm. I did that I, it was really stuck quite often at a point where hmm. there was no possibility to to change something hmm. to get a good result and i hmm. think this openness is something i did make hmm. like i i've tried to keep that in the hmm. the last years so this is helps me a lot to have this kind of playful openness to right. what it's going to be at the end yeah i i can think in, in music for example you can work a lot with uh, non-musicians like me we uh, knew how to do electronic music for example just co-creating with these um, random algorithms mm -hmm. regarding tone or modulation and so um, and it's, it's definitely a non-institutional um, uh, 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 approach <laughs> a professional approach but um, it is a creational uh, approach, and it's true that um, from uh, from my perspective, where I don't have a lot of mm, preconcepts on how the technical or all the technical tools work, it's a very interesting to create this kind of game with this. Uh, it makes creational process um, fun and uh, dynamic when you are surprised with what happens, you know, and something stays a bit uh, cold. I yeah, I think for me, or like uh, I guess for artists, it's always too uh, really uh, important to play. This is right. Like creating is like hmm. you know really playing with stuff hmm. and uh, this um, yeah really yeah hmm. I wouldn't say easy, but you know kind of that that's a good thing about art that you don't have to to give a certain result to someone that right. no one is asking for something special hmm. uh, it, except of you you make a commission but in, right. in general like you're totally open about hmm. the results so and hmm. there doesn't ha it has to be, have any you know um, yeah I find so. it very telling that with these uh, new technologies of reproduction that we are still even not grasping as a whole it's um, sometimes more calming to humanize them with your your intervention, you know, as a, um, a failed human. And so they are so abstract. They have these particularities, for example, these moving uh, images, transforming images. 
um, to talk about uh, concepts or to talk about something that is not a fixed uh, 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 category or the fixed thing, but more something dynamic, more movable. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they are too abstract that it's, it gets a bit too far, this gap, and it's, uh, uh, it works a lot for... Um, to generate some kind of empathy with the work, um, uh, I think, my opinion, <laughs> that you expand this also with your intervention with the um, uh, sculptures and um, that you have to add, so to say, um, irregular irregularities uh, for it to, for humans to, to feel more close uh, to the work in a way. Uh, before with the uh, photo, with the uh, uh, yeah, mechanic photography. The thing was that uh, <coughs> philosophic-wise, or representation-wise, it was this machine that was a third perspective. It was not the perspective of a human eye, so it would mm -hmm. add up this objectivity, this uh, separation. Mm -hmm. And it feels like we are already too far. You know, it feels like now the technologies we work this uh, now we need to humanize them a bit to be able to work with them. I don't know what you feel. Uh, yeah, I think this is, yeah. It's something like uh, to make it less <coughs> technological, we kind of call it intelligence. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's just because um, the process or the algorithm be behind, it's kind of close to uh, what we think about how our brain is working. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, uh, <coughs> this is why we call it intelligence. But, uh, yeah, what you said about the body in the physical space, that I create hmm. the sculptures and this is why we feel a bit more close to a human body. So I think this is what I'm trying to challenge the viewer or the, the, hmm. the people seeing my work. It's hmm. really um, to have also kind of an uncomfortable feeling maybe. Hmm. Um, in the same time, you have like a certain aesthetic m maybe draws you. You hmm. want to touch it or you want to see yeah. it. But uh, but the way the bodies look like, they're not really fitting in our uh, idea about uh, yeah. uh, body images. So this is why it makes you at the same time uncomfortable. So hmm. I like always this kind of thin border between attraction and discomfort in the same time. Yeah. So yeah, I think this is, it's easier when you have the physical sculpture to have this moment because the screen, the surface of the screen in the videos is still some kind of a, a wall between yeah. me and these images of the body. You know, you still have right. this, this screen which hmm. causes a certain distance to the images, I see. Yeah, it's true. In some way, it feels like uh, one feels less uh, guilt in identifying with the um, um, physical object. I don't know why. In the case of your exhibition, it's a bit so that then you have this familiarity as a um, physical being, and then you can, I think, understand better the concept of, uh, of the work. Um, because these things uh, sometimes are... Um, they say too much, too conceptually, and too abstract for us to comprehend and not to run away from it, you know? <laughs> um, they say the, the first time they showed the Lumiere, uh, the, the first uh, f film in, from history, the Lumiere's film from the train, mm -hmm. I don't remember who said that the people didn't uh, run away because they think a train was coming. They ran away because they couldn't grasp the level of... Uh, 
representation, mm -hmm. the level of realism in the representation, and this made people so uh, scared. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Well, I mean, the reason I work with the sculptures, I did that for other works also before. I think it's also because for me, uh, this is like not just one direction. We don't move from the realistic world to the virtual world. I think it's we're going hmm. in both directions the same all the time. Hmm. You know, we kind of step in between these two worlds or we live in these two worlds at the same time. Right. So uh, this is also why I, I wanted to have these physical hmm. objects because this is how we yeah. transmit our body all the time. Right? Yeah. The territories, frontiers, uh, so concrete for human experience to talk about the body, creation of the body, uh, creation itself, and so it's uh, motherhood. Uh, we talk uh, here with uh, Laura von Prosper. She makes uh, video art, and um, uh, she, she also used motherhood as a subject, uh, literally, in her works, but not necessarily at first. And we had an interesting talk, uh, for example, on how she changed the uh, logic on how she was applying the textures um, uh, to her videos uh, after regarding perspective and perception with life, with creation and so on, in relation to her, um, uh, the experience of being mother, so to say. Um, I wanted to know, since your research is on body uh, identity and um, to which extent you include that consciously include that or uh, relate uh, make a relation uh, to your own experience and what you are exploring let's say artistically yeah i i did some work uh, which also were was connecting to this kind of topic but i think for me what really changed uh, is the perspective from the only me perspective to you know hmm. it's extended to someone else now. This a photo work, no? I no, one it was oh. a video work, okay. and the one is an installation. Hmm. Um, but it's um, I think it the, both works were also about how society uh, uh, is um, yeah seeing motherhood uh, in terms of the body, but also just uh, also in terms of, um, yeah, how the expectations of being a mother and an artist. Right. Kind of, this kind of um, yeah, social a, um, problem, yeah, I think. Economic, uh, political yeah, thing. There. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, for me, the motherhood uh, thing is something, it's natural, Hmm. You just make the decision, yes or no, you hmm. know, and then it's something you don't maybe do that consciously that something is changing. Uh, maybe for me, it changed more that I was more, I, I, I risk, may take more risk in my work. So I was more, you know, I wasn't so strict about uh, what can I do as an artist? Hmm. What is are people expecting from me? With my art in terms of career, you know hmm. what what they already hmm. what you already produced. So yeah. I think this made me a bit more, yeah, taking more. The risk. last the last uh, years or you know, four years, I could say, you were uh, um, gaining a lot of grants and uh, doing a lot of exhibitions, and you were very uh, very uh, active. Yeah. Um, uh, did that had to do with uh, your uh, this new perspective? 
uh, you acquire? Yeah, maybe, but also maybe with the fact that I changed my practice also because I, uh, before I was more, more or less only doing photography and video and uh, I started yeah, with becoming a mother to take this risk to say, okay, this is what maybe I think that people expect me to be the video photography artist, but I can do whatever I like in my practice. Right. So I think to say, yeah, okay, this is really uh, about me and what I want to explore in hmm. my work. Uh, and it's not about the others. It was something, it came in this in the same period of being hmm. also a mother. Because in this in intimacy as a topic, it was part of your work uh, yeah, yeah. already. Yeah, so I think it's one other part of my work. Hmm. So the one really big part is technology and body, and the other part is maybe the social political expectations mm -hmm. about the body or like in the in the public uh, hmm. uh, yeah, image world. Yeah. And uh, I think, um, yeah, just changing this kind of, I think it's easier maybe because I so was more sure about that I wanted to be an artist uh, uh, because this is something maybe you struggle in the like beginning uh, because it's not easy of course to to make your living from art so this right. is something you maybe request some people are maybe not they hmm. know from after studying that they want to be an artist yeah and for me it was always because maybe because i didn't study art that it was coming a bit later the, that not at first that i later, that yeah. i was really sure about that hmm. i always did it but i wasn't never sure if i see myself as an artist yeah so i think this changed a bit with my practice but also with motherhood right and i think this also helped to get some grants and you know hmm. all these kind of fundings because um yeah. um yeah i think it's easier to get the funding when you do this kind of installative works and um yeah uh, yeah at the same time i'm also questioning some really um, actual Hot topics topic, <laughs> actual topic yeah. because now we are speaking yeah, yeah. a lot about technology and yeah i don't know if it's so. uh, easy but certainly you need to have a concrete uh, let's say field of study and um, research orientation and particular let's say combination of factors and technique or process of your own um And you have all these uh, things, and you definitely didn't feel didn't feel like because you were mother, you didn't need to investigate anymore about the construction of the human body uh, through art. You still had the need uh, to do that. Let's say, of course, yeah. I think it's. Uh, I think this is like, of course, art, being an artist is a profession, but it's also an, an inner need I have mm. to do. You know. Hmm. And of course, in the right. time you're like maybe a mother in the beginning, you have hmm. less time to, to work on your art because, yeah. yeah. But, and at the same time, you realize you really need to do it and that you miss to do it and that you, you, you need that hmm. uh, kind of, you know, just you yeah. have to find a way to, to, to hmm. create. I understand. Yeah. So this is hmm. was. Uh, I think this was really a result of having some months. I couldn't really be in the studio, or I didn't have hmm. the studio at this time because uh, I sub uh, sub rented my studio, yeah. 
and I really felt unhappy <laughs> to be not in the studio and creating. Yeah. So I think this is, uh, yeah, also a point to realize that some art mm. some somehow has to be part of your life. So right. like being an artist. So yeah, this is always uh, also a transform transforming uh, complicated uh, thing um, relationship between uh, art artist life. Uh, profession, artist life as a profession, yeah. private life, and so, and um, so. Here comes the question: <laughs> uh, being a mother and so, but also working so much uh, on this, let's say, dystopic vision of the future that now, in a lot of aspects, are already becoming real. Even though we can work about them and talk poetically and understand them from philosophical ways, there's also a concrete. Um, transformation that is happening, let's say, with the climate. Uh, there's a way in which this technocratic world, uh, society, is affecting the, um, our day-to-day -day life in a very concrete manner. Uh, as a person, <laughs> let's say, um, how do you envision um, the future, the near future, the, our relationship with technology, um, in relation to a very potential for doing something very good in sense of changing for good and solving a lot of things. Um, and there's also always this uh, um, nightmare, let's say, uh, we were having since we are writing science fiction. <laughs> um, how, what do you position in this uh, uh, question? So I think in general for me this technology logical development is something positive so mm -hmm. I, I see it positive especially if you speak about climate change and mm -hmm. all that stuff I think it's something really helps to for example do an artist talk in mm -hmm. in USA but yeah. being in Berlin at the same time yeah. so I don't know uh, Candice Brights once said when there was the pandemic and suddenly everything happened Uh, virtually hmm. with Zoom, she said, like, I don't really know why I traveled around the world the last five hmm. or ten years to give artists talks. It's just hmm. not nice for yourself, but it's also really bad for the climate and everything. Hmm. And the same hmm. maybe is uh, with the with the art fairs, you know, you had You, you ship around the world and hmm. really it takes so much uh, energy and, and money and Uh, hmm. effort to ship around the world uh, artworks but you could also explore them with uh, VR or like in the virtual space hmm. just you know to see the world to work so this hmm. is I think it's really interesting that someone from New York can go to an exhibition in Berlin yeah. with a VR glasses and just walk through the rooms hmm. so uh, I think in this case uh, I see it Uh, there's like many positive aspects of technology and it's helping uh, but in the same time there has to be maybe more open or uh, forward discussion about ethics hmm. and uh, technology so I think uh, what didn't happen yet hmm. is that we have to think about um, this social, political and ethically right. Uh, aspects of technologies mm. so I think this is what became right. it's a bit slow because the technology development was so fast or so quick mm. that uh, all these ethical aspects were not really right. part of the process yet mm. so I think this is maybe the one 
participate critically hmm. that still behind all these technologies there's human beings mm-hmm. and they decide uh, what uh, kind of images we see how technology is gonna hmm. u- is gonna be used and I think this is what people quite often forget about it that it's not the technology itself yeah uh, it's it's still the human being so I think hmm. this is maybe the challenging part mm-hmm. of it. But still, I think it's. Um, I'm not like worried that it's uh, that the humans is gonna not. Uh, we are not gonna exist anymore because of technologies. Okay. So I think it's. Um, we are still have the need to meet each other in in the real world. I yeah. think this is what the Corona pandemic was good about yeah. because we realized that. Like the the physical contact is really important to us too, so I think right we are mammals. <laughs> yeah, we I mean yes, we are like humans, so we need the physical contact. So I think it's something hmm. uh, won't happen that we end up in like a kind of you know hmm. some inside and we just uh, uh, explore the world through the technology. So I think hmm. it's always parallel. Mm-hmm. It's going to be parallel. When me. you ambition the, the world, your uh, do- daughter yeah. uh, um, is, is going to live at your age. Um, you ambition these ethical problems with technology and the planet solved in, the, in, in, in a healthy way, so to say. Do you see this as a possibility? I hope so. I mean, I'm, I think I'm more like an optimistic person in general. So hmm. I, I think like it's not going to... I think the challenge is that people understand that it's not uh, happening uh, without doing something, hmm. like that we are all part of this change. I think this is like hmm. something my generation is really a bit too relaxed about. So the future hmm. generation, like younger generations, are really hmm. worried about uh, climate change, which is, I think, a good thing because uh, um, we are just trying to push it away hmm. so I see that in my like environment that many people don't think so much about that right and I think that's a good th- thing about all these kind of uh, um, young people now they go d- demonstrate uh, hmm. uh, about the climate change b- because I think this is the biggest challenge uh, right. we f- we're facing so yeah. um, and uh, that's really important to be active not passive just saying it's okay we have to do something but we don't do something so i think this is maybe the challenge uh, for sure for my generation hmm. maybe for the youngers it's more normal that this is a topic for my daughter maybe it's i definitely than. hope so yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's no other way i think um yeah uh, thank you uh, yvonne for coming here Uh, we will leave uh, links to your projects. You have some correct exhibitions and you have some uh, other exhibitions uh, next year. And so um, we will leave uh, the links uh, for that in the description of the video. And thank you for coming. And everyone, thank you for uh, listening and watching. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.